and Psalm 3. And let me ask you in honor of God's holy word if you would rise and stand as I read. This is what the Spirit spoke through the psalmist thousands of years ago, his passion. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your, your altars, O Lord of hosts. I get the sense that he's a little bit jealous of the birds that make nests in the temple. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They grow from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And now to Philippians chapter 3, where we hear the Apostle Paul's heart for the presence of God, only now not in the temple, but in the temple made flesh, that is Jesus Christ. He writes in verse 7 of chapter 3, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You can go ahead and take your seats. These two passages, Parkway Community Church, have been my prayer for my own life, that my heart would resemble the psalmist St. Paul's, um, that Philippians happens to be my life verse, um, but it's also become my prayer for this church. And I hope this morning that you will hear um, heart for um, where I hope we want to go. I just ask you if you would pray with me as we um, open the word together. Lord, these are your people. These are your beloved people. And you have ordained them from the foundation of the world to not only be yours, but to be here in this time, in this place, in this city. We call Fairfield or Vacaville or Napa or wherever they come from. That you have placed them there with a divine and eternal purpose. And Lord, I, I ask that we live, we live in a time of, of desperation. And I, I ask that you would um, recenter us and renew us in the life-changing truth of who Jesus is, that indeed all of the unsearchable riches of God are found in him, and, and also the power of the truth of the good news, which is not something small, but something that changes everything. Every minute detail of life is changed by an authentic, real encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and his, his gospel. 
And Lord, I, I pray in, in the days to come, even this morning, I just pray that your spirit would do his work of, of plowing up the hardened ground of our hearts, of, of disbelief, so that we might once again believe with a vital and vibrant living belief that he is um, all that he says he is, that he has done all that the word says he's done, and he will do all that the word says he will do. So just, I surrender these lips to you, Lord, and I pray for those here, bless their ears, bless their hearts, bless their eyes, that they may know your truth, that they may know you, the one true living God, and the one whom you have sent, who is Jesus, I pray in his name, amen. Well, if you're uh, visiting with us, then, then you'll know that we're, we're doing kind of two Sundays in a row that are a bit out of the ordinary. Normally, we're preaching through a book or teaching through a book, and, and we wanted to take two Sundays, last Sunday and this Sunday, to just share with you the heart of leadership of where we believe the Lord is, is taking us and, 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 and heading us. And if you were here last week, you, you'll, you'll, um, you would have heard that um, the most important thing, the primary place uh, where we believe we need to go is to push deeper into the center of who Jesus is, his work, and um, what, the, what the, uh, the New Testament calls the gospel. Um, believing that the gospel really is the power of God into salvation. Like, it, it actually has the power to transform life and com- lives and communities. Now, I know many of us learned that, that verse, memorized that verse in Awana probably years ago. But what we don't often do is believe it. That there is one place, one source of change and transformation, and it is found in Christ, what he's done, and what we call the good news. And our main objective and priority as as a leadership is um, with the Holy Spirit, because without him, nothing's going to happen, for us to once again just abide in Christ. Abide in the vine, who alone gives us the source of strength and power to bring change in life. We just want to press back to the center of that, renew, recenter. That was, that was basically last week's message. There's a series of messages through the, the epistle of Galatians, a small but potent letter. Our small groups are reading Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Um, these are some of the ways that we want to recenter. And I'll tell you, without being recentered and renewed, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. That's what Jesus said. Apart from me, apart from a, a real vibrant relationship with me, you can do nothing. That's the priority. This morning, I want to I connect back into that, but also talk to you about um, ways in which if we really are um, honestly pursuing Christ um, in a way like Paul said, where you're willing to count everything as lost to have that one thing. Um, the way in which that will impact the environment in which we live, because it will make a difference. If you're alive, alive to Christ and you're, you have a vibrant, vital relationship with him, it will change the context in which you live. And that comes to light in this, this psalm passage, which is just a psalm filled with so much passion. So let me just focus your attention just on two things in this psalm, and then we're going to share with you some particular ways that we believe the Lord is leading us to, to make a difference. Two things, the, the center and then the effect. The center and the effect in Psalm 84. As I said, this is a, a psalm that's filled with passion. You can tell that the psalmist's heart is a supremely attracted to Yahweh. Supremely attracted 
to Yahweh. He is the sum, the supreme desire of the heart. You just can't get away from the heart language of the first couple of verses. You know, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Um, my soul longs, yes, faints for the, for the courts of the Lord. Those are, those are heart languages. These are, this is a thirst, a hunger for the presence of Yahweh at the temple. You, you sense the, the supreme attraction and desire for God. And that's one of the, one of the evidences of renewal in your life is that, that all of the other things, all of the other things that the, that the world loves so much and that unfortunately many of us who are part of the church love so much, they pale in comparison. Nothing compares to him. Um, no job, no relationship, children, nothing compares to him. That's part of what it means to be renewed, is you have this kind of a supreme desire for the presence of the Lord. He's the one fountain of water that you want more than anything else you desire and you're hungry for. That's part of what it means, I think, to be renewed in the Lord, is to have that supreme attraction and desire for the Lord. But you also notice another thing that the psalmist displays in his heart is that the Lord Yahweh is actually the source of his strength and his joy. Verse 5, blessed are those. Blessed, another word of, way of translating that is happy or joyful. Happy are those whose strength is in you. Not strength in other people or strength in ourselves, not strength in a governing authority, not strength in, in physical muscles or strength of intellect, but whose strength is in you. Happy is the person who finds her strength and security in you. That's where the happiness comes from, not, not how well you're doing financially, how well people think of you. It's part of what it means to be renewed and recentered. Not only to have God as the, the supreme desire of your life, but also the source of both your joy and your strength. And if that's happening, you know God is renewing you. And also, a third thing, and this is the last, and then I want to get to the effect. The third thing you notice in here is there is this thing in the heart that desires to make its way to God. That's the second part of verse 5 when he says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And this is a, uh, an intriguing statement and, and a rather um, good word picture. Whose, whose um, strength is in you. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. Zion is just another word for Jerusalem, another place where, where, um, where the temple was situated where the presence of God. Speak of Zion, you're talking about the dwelling place of God. It's interesting that in the heart of people who are alive to God, there's a highway. It's like, a, you know, to us, it's like more like a GPS coordinates, like that keeps telling you to go right and left and right and left to get to your destination point. Only um, what's, what, where it's telling you to get is, I need, I want the Lord. And it's telling you where to go. In their heart are the highways to Zion. That is, the highways to the presence of the one you love the most, you desire the most. And if you look at the end of verse 7, um, those in whose heart are the highways to Zion, they actually make it there because it says, each one of them appeared before God in Zion. Well, those are three ways, brothers and sisters, to tell that you're alive. Is that, that God becomes the supreme desire of your life. That he is the source of your strength and your joy. And he is the goal of your journey. That is, he's the end of the highway. That's what it means to be um, 
renewed and recentered and refreshed and, and filled with the presence of God. He becomes your, 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 your all in all. And you know what? This is an Old Testament saint who is writing this. The best that he had was a physical temple built with stones that they would walk to that symbolized the presence of the Lord. But as we have seen, as God has revealed himself, we've seen that that was just a shadow, a, a figure, a symbol of something to come, which was the fullness of his presence. So Jesus comes on the scene and he basically says, John 2.19, that he is the temple. I mean, if, if anything, the temple, any temple, represented the, the meeting point between the divine realm and the, and the earthly realm, that meeting point between God and man, that overlap, which is why people would come to a temple because they believed somehow heaven intersected earth there. We know that God does not dwell in a temple made with hands. The temple that he was, he was pointing to the whole ways that he was going to come in, in flesh. You know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only. So only now in Christ, we have something so much better than a physical temple to look to. Um, which is why I read the passage in, in, in Paul. I think if Paul was to read uh, Psalm 84, and I'm sure he did, he would have seen Jesus as the culminating center of that of that of that psalm you know how lovely is your dwelling place O lord of hosts my heart and my soul sing for joy to the living christ because he is the presence of the lord and now as believers our heart should be supremely attracted to jesus he should be the source of our strength and of our joy and our salvation and he should be the one in whom our highway in here is longing to be with now, this psalm holds out for the, us the, 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 ex, the genuine expression of a heart that actually experienced what he's speaking of. Sometimes we read these psalms, and it, it's almost like a wishful idea. Like, well, I'd sure like to be this way, but I'm really not. What you read here, what Paul wrote in Philippians, is real. Imagine if every person in this room, who says they're a follower of Jesus, blazed with this kind of intense desire, wonder, awe, trust in that one person. There would be no stopping what would take place. You set people like that on fire and it changes the world. And our history tells us that that is true. And that brothers and sisters, is the priority. Don't ever mistake the results from the cause. The cause is Christ and your relationship with Jesus. And then the results are what happened because of that. The cause is Jesus. So draw near to him. And as I said last week, only you and the Lord know whether you're really a follower of Christ, and whether you, he is the supreme desire of your life, and he's the source of your strength and joy, of your salvation, and whether or not your heart wants to travel and be with him. And if that's not your heart, and you don't want it to be your heart, don't come here anymore. I'm just being honest. here. This is a place where we're supposed to be like a furnace, throwing logs on the fire. To say, you see how great Jesus is? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. And so we leave here a bit more on fire, a bit more um, illuminated by the greatness of who he is. But if, but if you're a person who's like, I do want that. 
I do want that, but I'm not there. Well, then you're in a good place because you want it at least. And to say, Lord, I know it's possible because men live this way and they confess this way and they praise this way. Please, whatever it takes, strip it from my heart that's keeping me from that or whatever I am not doing that I should be doing so that I might feast more fully on just who he is with my brothers and sisters so that we can be this way. I think if we pray that direction, and not just once, but continue to pray that direction, go without a meal and pray that direction, feast upon the scripture in that direction, I think the Lord's going to touch down. Now, now that's the cause. I just, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but that's my job is to beat a dead horse as a preacher. I'll point people to Jesus always. But there are results too. There are effects. Check out this little statement, and I just, this, I love the way it's stated because it's so uh, potent in terms of another word picture. In verse 6, he says, As they go through the valley of Baca, that is, as they, these are the people whose hearts burn for the Lord. Everything I just said. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Baca doesn't sound like much to us. Hebrew, it means weeping. Or grieving. And there was probably a valley somewhere on the way to Jerusalem that people would pass through called the notorious Valley of Baca, which is a place of weeping. Some think it was probably covered with thorns and it was a parched place of dry, cracked ground. That the pilgrims, and they would sing this psalm or chant this psalm as they would make their way up to the temple to worship Yahweh. They probably passed through this valley of Baca, a, a, a terrible place, kind of like driving through Kalinga on I-5. Um, that's that's a, a valley of Baca if you've never been there, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, someday you will know what I'm talking about. Um, there's, there's these renowned places, as Misery Hill on Mount Shasta, or the Hard, or different places where it's just really brutally hard. And the idea is, I can get, just imagine that. Imagine a valley that everybody detests covered with thorns, parched, dry ground, where you're just hoping you have enough water to make it through, a place where typically there's weeping, and look what happens. This is what happens when God's people who are alive with him travel through this dry, cracked world in which we live. They make it a place of springs. Their oases appear. Life appears in the desert. That's the effect. It's the result. Apart from being centered on the Lord, that doesn't happen. That's the result. God is the cause. Nevertheless, what I'm trying to say here, and Jesus picks this up in the New Testament, or he, he, he echoes it when he says, let your light shine before men. If you have the light in you, it's going to shine. If you have the living water in you, it's going to spill out, Jesus said in John 4. And life's going to start to appear around you. And you shouldn't be surprised by that. If you are a true follower of Jesus, there is spiritual life pouring out of you, and it's going to make an effect where you work, at the staff lounge, or, or, or delivering packages. It's going to spill out because God is in you. And if you can leave the place that God placed you, and there's no difference, the heart's in completely the wrong place. We're supposed to be people that wherever God has placed us, there's a spring of life taking place. And if you're alive to the Lord, it's going to happen. You don't have to wish it will happen. It will happen. If you're alive to Christ, it will 
make a difference. You will leave your place someday, either because God moves you or you pass away, and it will be a different place because you live there, because you were a child of God, a follower of Christ, in whom the living water dwells. That's the effect. That's the effect of leaving springs. And all of us should be leaving these springs of life wherever God places us individually, and we're scattered all throughout the Bay Area through the week in our blocks that God has set us in and neighborhoods and places where we like to play and shop. And, and we're, we're going to have that effect if we're centered, renewed in the Lord. But there are also some ways that we have discerned that the Lord can, because we've wanted as a church to be uh, spring here. Well, I don't know if you can call Fairfield the uh, Valley of Baca, <laughs> you know, a place of weeping. Um, this is my home. Fairfield is my home. I consider it my home. And, um, and I know it's not on the top, top ten places to live in the world. Maybe not even the top thousand, I don't know. I know that there are a lot of thorny patches and lost people here. And there's a lot of people who are enslaved and in pain. And God has ordained that you and I live here so that springs of life can take over where thorns were. And we want our church to be a place where if it was missing, this place would be worse. And because we're here, it's better. And we've seen in the past as God unleashed through the started out so small, things like the leaven, which started with prayer and then started with tutoring kids and now is, you know, taken off like wildfire, that there has been a difference. But there are several other ways that we believe that the Lord has, has, has led us. And so I'm going to ask, I have three brothers who are going to join me. Um, that's what these stools are for. You just probably thought I was creating an obstacle course for myself, but I'm not. Um, if you guys would come up, Mike, uh, Ron, and Justin, and uh, have a seat with me. And I want to tell you that what we're about to share with you, it's not something that we went into the room, a room and concocted. Like, well, what should we do this year, guys? And, and come up with this game plan that, that the Lord didn't lead in. Because that's just not, not what's happened. The, the things that we're going to share with you are, are things that have been bubbling up for months. And um, bubbling up to the point where, and when you sense that God is bubbling things to the surface over a, a period of time, that's, that's the Spirit of God moving. And, um, and we've learned over the years to, to follow that. And, um, and so these three things, um, and there's, I'm sure, more, but this is, this is where we are at with the Lord and praying the Holy Spirit makes this happen, could be summed up in three words, and that is um, prayer, service, and discipleship. And each of these three guys up to the left of me um, have, have kind of been the focal point of those, those bubblings, or they've been part of those bubblings, and they represent more than are just up here. So I'm going to have each of them share, beginning with uh, Justin. This is the brother who's going back to school, so pray for him. Um, one of the things I, I know and love about this man, and one of the unique giftings of him, is that he is always thinking outside these walls, always. And he's taken our high school students to, to the homeless shelter to, you know, to just experience what it's like so they'll have more compassion. It's just the kind of guy he is. And, um, and anyway, he is uh, going to share with you um, the desire, the leading of the Spirit, and how it's already taken shape with his students on praying for our neighbors. So, Justin, brother. Well, like Dan said, like, that's one of my big, um, you know, passions. Is just that sometimes I think in this culture we just 
see churches coming Sunday morning, sitting here, and leaving, and going and joining football, and we did church, and we served our Christianity. Um, and so that's one of the things as with the high school students I try to teach them is, is just that our faith should just embody our whole entire life, and you know, all throughout the week. And so these students, through like the Mission Solano trip and stuff like that, I've, I've started to realize that, and about a year ago, um, got a group together, and we just started praying on how can we actually go and be disciples in our community, and so we just kept praying and kept praying and, and seeing what the Lord was going to lead, and actually just led us to continue to praying, and one day we were looking at an overview of Parkway Community Church, and, and we saw that there was these apartments just just strategically placed around us, with our church being the center of it. And we said, let's just go door to door to these apartments and just pray for them, and so that's what we started doing this summer, and we just had a small group of students, and it's kind of grown and developed since then. And, and we just go door to door and pray for these people. And we've just seen the Lord do some crazy things um, just through these connections. And we've seen students come to the youth groups, junior high and high life. Paulina's got a few kids now going to the Levin. Um, we've done a block party. Uh, and, and we just want to get to know them. Just like if you guys uh, would see someone walk across um, you know, your sidewalk in front of your house, you know who that is because you're involved in your community. You know your neighbors. And, and this is, you know, one of our second houses, you know, here. This is the house of God that we come on a weekly basis. And we want to know those around us. And so I'd like to ask you guys and invite you guys. This is never something that the high school students ever wanted just to keep for themselves. These are just motivated students that, that wanted to go. And now it's growing. And uh, Through talking to Dan, we want to just open it up to you guys as well. And so on the first and third Sunday of every month, we meet here at 3 to 5, and that's what we do. We just go to the apartments, and we pray for people. And uh, we've been meeting with some of the apartment managers, and some of the other apartment managers around the area want us to come there. We just don't have the people to do it, you know, quite effectively yet. And like I said, so far, this has just been high school students. So I know some of you guys are thinking, you know, that's not my gifting. That's not my ability to go door to door. Um, and just we're just looking for a willing heart. And the Lord will use you. Um, these students are not trained, you know, with anything special. They just want to go out and share the love of Christ and pray for people. And through that, we've just had some amazing stories happening, just people willing to do it. So this is actually the third Sunday of the month, so we would love for you guys um, to join us. We'll be here um, at 3 o'clock if you're willing to miss a little bit of NFL football. And we'll be here, and we'll just be in the community and praying for the community and getting to know our neighbors directly around Parkway. Yeah. Um, we, um, we took one week off um, because we took all of our students up to summer camp. And so we weren't there one Sunday. And as we go back the next Sunday and continue to knock on the doors, um, there were people that were just like, oh, we really wanted to see you last Sunday because we had some things we wanted to pray about. And so that's been one of the really cool um, things is, is there's been a, a really welcoming there um, that they miss our students and they miss us praying for them. And like so that's been really cool. Right? Like 90%? Yeah, I'd say about 90% of people are, are looking forward to us. They're waiting for us to come on Sunday afternoons, which is really cool. Not something that we had expected. And, and like I said, we're bringing, you know, 14 to 18-year-olds to your door. Some of you guys wouldn't even answer the door. Um, I don't know if I would, no. Um, but these people are waiting uh, we had another really cool story of a lady who um, was just housebound, and so she, her son would bring her um, to the couch in the morning and leave the screen door open, and so we got to get to know her. We never had to see her 
we can talk to her through the screen door and we were able to pray for her and she let us know the currents of her health um, you know situation and it was really cool just we got to go throughout the week and see her more than just on Sundays and um, unfortunately she passed away you know just recently but our students had a relationship with her and someone they never got to meet like physically see but they were just able to pray for her and I'm sure it encouraged her for the last you know two months of her life so it's been really exciting so I'd love for you guys to to join and partner with us and just praying for our community. It's simple. Um, and just to be clear, it's not like you're taking the four spiritual laws over there or a Bible and you're going to hit people over the head with them. It's just to show up and just to pray for them, which is, is a pretty simple thing to do. Just Even if you don't pray for them on the spot, just say, I will pray for you when I leave. It's, it, it's not that hard. Yeah, some, some people don't want us to pray for them specifically right there, but they're willing to give us, hey, my son's you know sick or you know my, my mom's dying or whatever. And so... And Ron just reminded me, this whole kind of thing that we are doing, we've kind of coined um, with the name of just City Hope. And the reason for that is we, um, you know, see so many people walking around, like you said, in the Valley of Baca, here in Fairfield, uh, just people without hope. And we have this hope, and and I don't want to keep it just inside these walls. Um, And so going out of the community and sharing that hope and praying for people. Um, And so that's really what we want to do is we just want to bring hope to, to hopeless people through prayer and through Jesus. So, like I said, we'd love for you guys to join us. So if you're interested, talk to News. And I will just say, if you're one of the people who are older than the high school students, you know the first great awakening that happened in our country and in Britain uh, back in the 1700s, it happened largely when young people responded to the gospel. And um, it started there. And I would hate if the Lord has laid it on your heart for you to think, well, that's a you thing. Like that should not even be in our thought life. It's like, yes, they're agile and they started, but, you know, join in and be a part of it. So the brother next to him is my friend Ron Guffey, and one thing I know about Ron Guffey is he is a doer. Um, you've, in the past, brought your stuff to the guff for the, uh, for the, for the uh, rummage sale, and uh, he's just one of those guys who's always on the, on the hunt to do stuff, like a, you know, team of wild horses, uh, only he has hip problems, so I guess that means we've got to put you down, dude. Horses. <laughs> But he's, he, there's a, a, a similar vein, City Hope, but, but a, a slightly different thing that has been bubbling up too. John, uh, Ron, why don't you go ahead and, and share? All right, thank you. Uh, I would just dawn on me before, we came, uh, before I came to church and stuff is my second son's 25 years old, and that was in 1988 he was born. Well, that's about the time Parkway opened up this building. So we've been here for 25 years, and in those 25 years, we've uh, always had these apartments around us. And over the years, we've tried to do stuff, and it'd go up against dead wall. But, you know, we started something with uh, Late Skate, developed into Block Party, that went into a tutoring center, Levin, and it's taken off. And so sometimes it's been a little slow against stuff, but when God's behind it, if God's for it, who can be against it? So this is start. What we want to do is um, there's a team of us together. And it's a, it's a community outreach ministry, and we're going to call it City Hope. And Justin has it copyrighted, so every time I say City Hope, I own 10 cents, so here I'm paying up some of my bills. What's it called? City Hope. So there we go. So there's kind of like a two-prong approach. Uh, he's going to be out the praying, and then we're going to do kind of community outreach, and it's something actively, i got to stand up because I do have a bad hip. Uh, i got to get a hip replacement. It's to actively intentionally and purposely find ways to connect with the community because it's easy to stay in our little holy huddles and go to a small group and hang out with our Christian friends and not reach the community. 
So we've got a team together, and some of the ideas we want to do is reach out. Because some of the, the key verse is, uh, wow, I read this better first service. First uh, John 3.18, little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but with deeds and in truth. Jesus is the truth. But we don't want to just flap our jaws and just talk. Talk, 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 and no action. You know, Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, and we don't put our light under a basket. It's to shine. And the last part of uh, Matthew 5, 14, 16 says, let your light shine before others so that they may really see that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So this is not about us. If you want to be involved with City Hope and doing stuff, this is not social services this is about giving God glory using us. We are his vessels. And each one of us, well, let me backtrack. I'm trying to stay on script because I went a little long last time. Uh, the idea, the motto is, it's God's work. It's not our work. It's God's work. He uses a variety of people. He doesn't use us four because if you're like us four, you start off with hair, less hair, less hair, and then you get no hair. It's not like us. You don't want to be like us. You want to be like God has gifted and made you. If you're a lover of Jesus, you have gifts and abilities, and you are in a situation. The situation you are in is not ideal. We think about it. It's not ideal. But it is ideal because God's got you there. So we want to reach the community. Okay, what's community? Community is a broad word. Well, the first community we have, there's three aspects of community, and that's what we're, we're moving forward with. And there's, like I said, the team. And this is all fluid, so this, you know, don't ask me, come up to me afterwards and say, how about this, this, and this? We're, this is God's work, and we'll see, and we need your help. Community, first community is where you live, who's your family, where you work, you do things in baseball, band, whatever. That's your immediate community. The next community is we are Parkway Community Church. And when someone says Parkway Community Church, they don't think about where we live. They think about this building. Where's this building? Surrounded by about 1,000-some people in dense apartment areas. That's our next community. So the ministries of Parkway and our neighborhood. And then we have the broader community of Fairfield itself. I don't think it's in the top 1,000. I think it's in the top 5,000. So we're doing pretty good. But that's the community. So it's going to be fluid. And so we got together and we started talking with it as a team. And what can we do actively? And they want to do something right away. So we're going to be doing next Saturday, if you, see, if you read the Parkway Connect, if you don't read it and you don't know what's going on at Parkway, well, that's your fault. That's your bad because if you read it, you find out what's happening. So if you go to the bottom of the page, they'll talk about the coastal and creek cleanup. And what it is, it's put on every year in California. It's the third Saturday of September, and they set up it's through the water sewer district. All they need is volunteers. You bring your dirty clothes, you bring your gloves, and bring some garbage bag. And what you do, pick up maybe one of those little, uh, uh, I call them crawdad picker-uppers, so they don't pinch you, those little you know, garbage picker-ups. You go to the creeks and the waterways, and you just literally pick up garbage. Because God asks us to subdue the earth, not pollute the earth. So let's just, back, let's just say, hey, we're Christians and we love creation. We don't worship it, but we love creation. So next Saturday from 9 to 12, we're going to focus on Ledgewood Creek. If you go to Parkway Connect, click on that link. Uh, there's Ledgewood Creek and then Laurel Creek. So we're going to have people there at Parkway. We're just going to come. Nothing intense, not scary, but invite your neighbor, invite your friend, invite your kids. Because when 
When you come to Christ and our kids want to see what Christians like, it's not like shazam, they know. You've got to show them how to do it. So you come along, you pick up garbage. Why are you picking up garbage? Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I go to Parkway Community Church. Or this is my kid. And then your kids see it, your coworkers. That's not just talk. Let me see if I'm still staying on script. So you can't, you can only talk so much, but people want to see. So this is just our avenues. We've got four, oh, yeah, okay, back chat. Coastal Cloak Cleanup, Saturday, okay? That's this Saturday. Show up. Then we've got, we want to do a Christmas event. To, and this is where Justin, he's going around getting some prayer needs and finding out. We want to reach out to our neighbors here. This, this is the first set, right? These set apartments. But we got some over there, so we're going to go slow. We want to re- do some Christmas baskets for the people that need practical needs, not Santa's wish list and the kids get a wee system and all that. No, towels, sheets, stuff like that. We're going to put that together. Then we have the rummage sale. And mind you, we don't need all of you for all that stuff, but the rummage sale, we all need, I need you all here. I need your stuff, and I need your bodies to help. So we'll do the outreach, I mean this, the rummage sale, and we'll open it up with the view of let's reach the community in different ways. Let's see what happens. And then we want to do movie nights. The, uh, looking at June, July, and August, right there at the parking lot. Got this huge parking lot. Let's do movie nights. You don't know what to do? Hey, you may just need to flip the switch on the video screen or make some popcorn. So there's opportunities to serve. And then we'd also like to do a uh, block party slash back to school event next August to meet the, the dovetail of what Justin said on City Hope. I already paid you. Um, <laughs> Like a back-to-school event where we as a church give them backpacks, stuff like that. This is all fluid. This is of God. If you're coming to do, to get a feather in your cap or an extra jewel, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We all got issues. They got issues. We got issues here, everywhere. We just need to be who we are, who God's got us, and we just need to show them love. And that's all we're going to do. So God's for it. Who can be against us? I think there's a little little preacher in Ron Guffey. Had John Berry's going Pentecostal and you're going preaching, you know? Just one of those things. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Christians have a stereo, there's a stereotype that we don't care about our community in tangible ways and um, that we don't care about the environment. And, you know, um, the whole idea that Ron said of loving people, not only in word but deeds, in actions of loving um, beneficial action. And I know that not everybody can show up to everything, but there may, might be some of you who are like, I'd love to do a creek cleanup. And it's just a way of serving our community. Um, not promoting Parkway, but simply caring for our community. They'll come to find out you're a follower of Jesus if we, if we stick at it. So it's just a way of breaking down the walls and serving our community. And last but not least, um, my, my brother Mike here. Um, discipleship. Um, he has always had a heart for teaching, discipleship, and um, he has been working with Tom Leary and I for I don't know, last year and a half working on this stuff. And so this has been bubbling up for a year and a half. And go ahead, Mike. Okay. Um, I didn't mention this in the first service, but it just occurred to me hearing these guys. Somebody recently asked me what I liked about Parkway Community Church. And I thought about it and I said, you know, it's, it's really, it's the balance. It's the balance of teaching that we get from the pulpit, from the small groups, and from discipleship that I'm going to tell you all about. And it's the outreach. Without that, our teaching is, is just puffing us up. And without, the, and, and without the teaching, the outreach may not be as effective. So it's that balance that we're trying to achieve. So with, with discipleship, 
just so we're all talking from the same page, because sometimes we speak Christianese, and if you don't speak the right language, you don't know what we're talking about. Discipleship is simple. It's just one person who's, who's mature, who's already journeyed along their, their spiritual path, being able to reach out and help somebody else along that same path. In, in, in the business world that I work in, we call it mentoring. So just think of that concept. In, in Philippians, um, Paul writes that uh, he's confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. So you get that picture of a, a beginning to your spiritual life, your spiritual growth, and then a journey and a completion. And that journey is probably not, you're probably not going to end up at the same point where you started. Hopefully there's some growth in between. It's implied, but in, in the second chapter, he makes it a little bit more explicit. He says, um, Look out yourself. <laughs> Thank you. I got your back, brother. <laughs> I got pat my back, man. He says, To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know how that just went right out of my mind. So you, it, he, makes it, he makes it clear that this is not just this passive journey. God saves you, and then you get on a conveyor belt, and boom, you get to the end. No, there's, a, there's an active participation on our part. That's where discipleship comes in. I know when I was a young Christian, young guy, like 26, 27, um, a guy in my church came alongside me and asked, he said, would you like to meet with me? Um, I, I've got a study I want to go through, and I was hungry, you know. I really wanted to grow. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I didn't really know the guy all that well. I knew he was a respected, mature Christian. And, um, and we met. It was just for, the, for this one study. But then we found that we really clicked on a personal level. Um, in that study, he got a lot out of it that he didn't even know he was going to get out of it. We fed each other. And so we continued to me, we, we thought this is, this is good for both of us. And we met for another year and a half beyond that. And then he and his wife moved away and we couldn't continue. But uh, that's what a discipling relationship is like. It's one person being willing to reach out to somebody else and say, look, I'd love to help you on this journey. Disciplers are not, they're not counselors, they're not therapists. If you're looking for that, it's not going to help you. These are people who just want to love you who just want to give you the benefit of their experience, who will pray for you and encourage you and help you grow. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, if you're a new Christian and you're like, yeah, feed me, I want that. Or if you're like a lot of us, you had that early ramp in your spiritual life and then you hit a plateau. And we're just kind of cruising along on that plateau. Not a whole lot of growth, but not a whole lot of dropping off. Just kind of keeping that middle ground. I want to challenge you guys to ramp it up a little bit. So if you're in any of those categories, uh, you can see me personally. I'd love to talk to you. Or you can use those cards that are in the chairs in front of you. Um, and I, I realized afterwards, after the first service, I encourage people to not just put down, I'd like to be discipled. You've know, you got to put your name and a contact information. Otherwise, we'll have to hold the card up and go, like, Karnak the Magnificent. And I thought, <laughs> a lot of folks don't know who Karnak the Magnificent is because they didn't grow up watching Johnny Carson like I did. But, so. Dating yourself. Man. Anyway, mind reader. I know, I'm old. <laughs> 
So that's, that's my encouragement. If you would like that, let us know. Either personally talk to me or fill out one of those cards and let us know. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I know that I have mentors who are in my life, and, um, and every, I think every one of us should, if we're a seasoned Christian, should be having somebody that we're plugging into. Um, I thoroughly believe that the biggest impact I will have is not what I do Sunday morning up here, but the people that God has called me to invest my life in. Um, that's deep rather than wide. So uh, those are the three things. If you want to talk to any of these three guys or you, you just want to help or you might have ideas, um, these are the three. They're not, the, not going to carry it by themselves. They're just kind of the point persons, and the, God has raised them up. So um, as these guys, guys go ahead and take, take off. None of that's going to happen unless the Lord's in it. Yeah, and I think we know that theologically, but the way that that's tested or shown that we really believe it is that we actually, we actually ask the Lord to do it. And so would you take, we don't have a lot of time, um, will you take a moment, um, if you're with somebody that you know and you're comfortable praying with them, can you just lift these things up to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, please just pour out your spirit and allow 